Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kravis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 133, The Priesthood of Every Believer. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. I'm just going to give a quick recap of the seven functions of a biblical priest that we have discussed in previous episodes. We are on the last one today. We'll probably take two episodes at least to get through, though. The seven functions that are outlined in this article are this. Number one, the ministry of the word. Number two, baptism. Number three, communion. Number four, binding and loosing. Number five, to offer sacrifice. Number six, to pray for others. And today we're at number seven, to judge doctrine. Now, there are a few different issues involved in that that we are going to discuss. We do have the obligation and the right to judge doctrine. We also are going to talk a little bit about what it actually means to prophesy during the New Testament or during the church age here, as that is something that is really often very confused on both sides, both from the charismatics and from those who would call themselves cessationists. So how do you want to get us started here? Well, let's go back to Luther's issue. And then we'll mention another article that I'd written before and get this in context and then try to apply it as we have time today. We'll go back to it as we need to. So what was the issue that Luther was dealing with when it comes to judging doctrine? Well, the whole system of Roman Catholicism had created a teaching magisterium, councils, creeds, some of which spoke true things. And Luther affirmed that the Christological creeds were accurate. So we're not wanting to deny the things that we know about the person and work of Christ, the Trinity, and so on. But you have to be able to go back to Scripture and really make sure you can prove those yourself, as you know Scripture. But as they went beyond that, there were certain cases that they claimed to speak bindingly and authoritatively for God beyond Scripture. Right. And that's where this really comes in. And it's, it's true for all of us. Anytime, whatever church you're in, anytime they've strayed from the word of God, you have the duty and the right to judge doctrine and point them back to the word of God. Right. And sometimes there are issues that are need to be discussed, open our Bibles, and we're not saying ignore everything in church history, but okay. we're saying that only scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's our word. The word of God is the scripture alone. Right. Let me remind our viewers and listeners what that's all about. The alones are essential. Scripture alone is our authority. Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, to the glory of God alone are called the five solas. To believe those things is keeping us free from ecclesiastical bondage of false teachers. 
Right. Amen. And so some people will say, well, if you're going to talk about that, I guess you must be one of those Calvinists or something. <laughs> they despise, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't think is right or fair to believe that in the priesthood of every believer doesn't mean you're a Lutheran. Right. To believe in the five solas, which I believe stand the test of Scripture. Scripture does claim to be the Word of God. And that doesn't mean that you are a follower of Calvin, whatever he taught. Exactly. That's not, it's just not true. Well, frankly, not wishing to make things harder for anybody, much of so-called discernment is lazy thinking. Okay, let's define that a little bit. Well, people would really like to take shortcuts and not themselves teach verse by verse of the Bible, study to show themselves approved for the elders of the church, teaching the whole congregation, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. The shortcut, is, I mean, is this. Discernment by publishing house. Discernment by Bible translation. Discernment by association. Discernment by who is on the same stage with whom, when. Wow. Discernment by what country you live in, what denomination you grew up in. There are so many ways of taking shortcuts that by the end of all of that, you might as well be back in Rome. Right. What you really end up with is... Okay, the good guy list and the bad guy list. And if right. a good guy appears on a stage in a conference where a bad guy once spoke, then the bad the good guy is automatically associated with the bad guy, and now he's made it to the bad guy list. We well, see that all the time in discernment circles. Yes, and that is not how you do the priesthood of every believer and judge doctrines. That's right. And, and I would add, we also don't do it by determining who holds to what creed or confession. Yeah, we just published an article about that. Yes. Creedal confusion, because that, again, is the type of parochialism that doesn't help us define the church. Exactly. So for and the last so many years, I've been studying more than I've ever studied, because we've got better tools, digging into the Greek and even the most uh, difficult commentaries to read because they're dealing with textual issues and what is the correct reading if it's an issue and preaching that way in church. Mm -hmm. Some people might think, well, that's a little too technical. No, not, it's not too technical. This is what I was taught to do in a Pentecostal Bible college. Right. In the exactly. early 70s. Mm -hmm. And you, the reason they were saying, learn the Greek, stay in the scripture, was that their group, I went to North Central Bible College, between 1916, excuse me, 1916, I was just rereading some material I found on this, up to William Branham, the false prophet who rejected the Trinity, who was in drawing people off uh, following him rather than scripture alone, they had lost, that particular denomination lost a third of their ministers to oneness Pentecostalism. Oh, wow. Which okay. is heretical. Yes. 
Absolutely. And us it was heretical and how to stand against that. So at that particular time in God's providence, when I was converted in 1971, left chemical engineering to go to Bible college in the group that led us to the Lord, uh, there they were at that time getting people back to scripture, equipping people, learn the Greek, understand the text, and even some in that particular denomination realized that some of their statement of faith or 16 fundamental truths weren't technically true, but they had the Bible called. I'm not faulting them. They told me what I needed to do. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, now at the time of the Reformation, let's get back to this. You can't judge doctrines because, oh, I see that pastor cited somebody's understanding of the Greek from Zondervan, whatever commentary, or this was published by this person, but Zondervan also published this one over here. And the Theological Dictionary of New Testament, you can't use that because it was German. And the fact is that when you get done with all of that, there is no one left to listen to. Exactly. Everybody's tainted. Everybody's marked. Everybody's avoided. Everybody with anything different is thereby silenced. So who's left that can search the scriptures, understand the truth, equip the saints, and not force people into some tiny parochial consideration. And then two generations later, the parochial group will be apostate. And it's happening more quickly now. It happens really fast now. And, you know, especially if we just look at, look at the last hundred years for say Presbyterians, how many times have they split? I can think of at least uh, four in the last hundred years. And they're um, the, the, can't, I can't think of the name of the major conservative Presbyterian denomination right now that's currently going, probably heading straight for yet another split. And it happens locally, too. I, I got a call from a person who was found us through articles and critical issues and so on from the West Coast. And uh, she was helping a guy who was trying to get out of one Presbyterian one and try to start another one. But it just doesn't work that way. Right. And so I'm not saying become a Lutheran because we're citing Luther. Right. Exactly. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not saying that. Yeah, right. Well, take the principles that we're laying out that Luther looked to, because where was he going to go? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how about the authority of Scripture? And the priesthood of every believer. The very first time I realized that what we'd been in, and we've talked about some of that, where Jessica was when she was a little girl, when we got out of there, well, where do we go? Who do we listen to? And the only thing that made sense was to start teaching the Bible verse by verse and learn. Yes. And that's what needs to be happening in our churches. That's what every pastor needs to be doing. 
we can't let it all end with creedalism and just say, well, now that's yeah. finished. So we'll just figure out what we're going to do each week. We all need to be students of God's word for our whole lives. And we all have that right to judge doctrine, regardless of what confession it was in. Right. And so one of the things that is important, I believe, is to teach verse by verse through the Bible, not exclusively now and then, especially in Sunday school, we'll go to a topic. But how we're on number seven here to judge doctrines. But how can every believer judge doctrines if they've never been taught how to read the Bible? And that is a real, that's a real issue today. And it's something that really should be the responsibility of the church to teach the people there how to read their Bibles on their own. Yes. And so in the sermon, it's important to have people preach the word of God and call, preach the gospel and teach the Bible. But we also, as for decades in whatever group I've been a part of, we have a Sunday school time where different people can add insight or question or disagree as they see fit. And that's what judging doctrines is about. Okay. Okay, so no one has the right to say, I am the pastor, and I say it means this, and you better submit or go somewhere else. Wow. And that happens so much. We hear that often. The problem is there's no somewhere else to go because of all the apostasy. Exactly. So that's where they stood. Here's the Bohemians. Okay, Martin Luther, we're not going to submit to Rome. Now what do we do? Right. And what was his answer? The priesthood of every believer. You, you have forgiveness of sins because of what Christ did. You can go directly to him, and every believer can judge doctrines. And we have literacy. We have ways to learn languages. We have ways to search things. So don't worry who publish it. Worry about whether it's telling you the truth. Yes. Okay? And... It may, uh, dear, dear ones, it matters what the Bible says, and you can know these things. And don't let yourself get painted into a tiny little corner. Right. Because somebody said everything else out there is really, really bad. Avoid everything and everybody. Unless yes, yes. they do things a certain way or say it. But the fact is that the church it consists of those who are being born of God through the gospel. They're being built upon the foundation. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, his apostles and prophets, the foundation. And every time someone comes to Christ, they're added. They're added to the church. And everyone so put into the church by God through Christ should be taught the word of God. Timothy was told to do that by Paul. Right now I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians, which is a very difficult book because it was an occasional book, meaning there's questions that they asked Paul, and we don't know what the questions were necessarily or why. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. But we can still get the sense of what was the issue. And the issue was they wanted to divide the body based on personalities or some 
something other than Christ crucified, okay? Okay. So what is Luther going to tell them? Don't turn discernment over to ecclesiastical powers. Okay. The binding prophecies already happen in the Bible. Right. All believers need to be trained in Scripture. Okay. So the seventh point, judge doctrine, if you print out the PDF, we're on issue 133, page 6, center column. Otherwise, just find a heading in the HTML or whatever it is nowadays. Okay. I think it's still there. Yeah. It's to judge doctrines. Now, I think we should probably clarify here. We're not saying that there's no need for qualified teachers to teach the word of God. We all have the ability and the right to judge what is being taught, but there still is the fact that God has called some to be teachers, some to be elders, and we are under their authority, but we're only under their authority in as much as they are rightly handling the word of truth. Right. And all of this is laid out in the New Testament. Uh, first, second, Timothy talks about it in Acts. I've been preaching through Acts, but that goes slowly because we're trying to do Luke-Acts as a two-volume work and refer to other things. But in Acts 20, you have Paul laying things out to the Ephesian elders. And a lot of time was spent there. And then in 1 Corinthians, there's issues. Ephesians, you need to know Ephesians. Okay. Okay. And so if someone is going to be an elder, they need to be uh, qualified to teach. Yes. Okay. So we're not claiming that because someone has a charismatic personality and a secular idea of charismatic, that means... There, there they are. There's your elder. Right. That is not one of the biblical qualifications for an elder. Right. But it seems to be who ends up being the head pastor. Yes. But here's the point. This is uh, something that can be done. If they could learn doctrine, including technical doctrine, the New Testament is not written in broken Greek. Okay. Luke, these writings are utterly brilliant. Yes. In fact, Hebrews is the same way. And even people who were um, less fluent in, in Greek, like John, still have the truth out there. Okay. We can study it. We can learn it. Here's a, um, an admonition for all of us. If they could expect to know things like, propitiation and justification and the various doctrines we need, the Trinity, the person and work of Christ, and so on, and to be able to have public reading if everyone wasn't totally literate, then what's our excuse for not knowing it now? Well, there shouldn't be one. There really shouldn't. And can't there be enough people to learn these things to be able to teach and people have the ability to judge it. And another matter, we'll probably get started on this more next time. But the first book that I wrote was on the purpose-driven movement. Yes. And at the beginning of that book, Rick Warren told people uh, to sign their name and take an oath to spend the 40 days 
going through the book and learning. And so I carefully went through every page of the book, took many of his claims, showed that he, rather than finding the translation of the Bible that explained the meaning and applied it according to the meaning of the author, he made it sound nice for somebody looking to be a religious consumer. Exactly. And I still, I found the other day all the PDFs I made, figuring they'll challenge my sources. Okay. So I had exegesis. I had P, I have PDFs. I, I actually got out there at one point after publication with another brother to preach the gospel and ask Rick Warren if he'd be willing to do that. And what happened was they never challenged my sources. They didn't challenge my interpretation. I went through where he said, Noah did this. No, that's not what the Bible meant there. And passage after passage was misused, misinterpreted, misapplied to make it seem like a journey to find purpose. Right. The gospel is not about a journey to find purpose, but forgiveness of sins. Amen. Here's the question. If I was wrong, in other words, if I didn't understand the point that Rick Warren was making about Noah, he was right and I'm wrong. They never told me I was wrong. Right. They and if you were wrong, was, I was wrong. He never told, they never told any of us, well, we really have a big plan for forgiveness of sins. Never mentioned it. Right. And okay. that's where if you had been wrong, all he would have to do was open scripture and show you where you were wrong, which is well, basically we, what you did with him. And there was no answer to that. Well, um, they never challenged my exegesis, nor challenged my analysis of the movement. Right. Nor defended the idea of swearing an oath to do something before you know whether what you're swearing to is biblical. Okay. So that's okay. But I, that's why we have to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, because otherwise they'll be taken in by the appearance of success. How many books were sold? Okay. And yeah. so as we get to this, let's at least get started here. That was a little aside, but I think the passion we need to have is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so they can do it. Right. And there and, are so many things out there now. I mean, you can almost give yourself at least a Bible college level education just based on free resources that are available out there. We have some on CIC and John MacArthur has some and you can get some through Ligonier. There's all kinds of different classes you can take. You're not... You're not limited to just your Bible and your church. There's so much out there and you can equip yourself to learn hermeneutics, which is how we interpret the Bible. You mm -hmm. can learn systematic theology. You can give yourself a really good education pretty much for free, just based on resources that are available. Right. And the irony is because of the purpose-driven idea and then later the emergent where it doesn't even matter if anything is true because we're on this panentheistic journey to heaven somehow, or 
the movement, who can do the biggest signs or wonders, that's not definitive. Okay. So here we have the tools, but who wants to use them? Right. It, and, you know, and admittedly, it is work, but the work is worth it. Well, the best advice I got from some beloved teachers at Bible College was study, show yourself approved, stay in the Bible, and that's what you need to do to be equipped. Okay. And then when I ended up in seminary some 18 years later, by God's providence, I was there when there were some solid teachers. Yes. And was able to further dig into this. But that doesn't mean I'm right, because somebody can be highly educated, know the scriptures, but say, well, what really matters is, and then go off on some other tangent. Okay. So okay. if you have an educated congregation, and you equip the saints, and they gather together, you can't pull the blinders over anybody. Exactly. And they can challenge this, and then we can open together, and the elder can say, you know what, that's a good reading. I hadn't seen that. I saw that happen a number of times, and I've seen it when I was in seminary. Okay. So we're searching the scriptures like the Bereans. Yes. You know, one question I hear quite a bit as well, how can I know if this Bible study is good or not? Or how can I know if this is, you know, if this pastor is solid or not? Well, sometimes some of the most basic questions you can ask yourself when you're looking at a Bible study or whatever it is, is this person saying, what do you think and how do you feel? And what does it mean to you? Or are they saying, let's open God's word. Here's what it says. Here's what it means. Here's how it applies to our lives. Are we making educated conclusions based on what the text actually says, or are we going off into what do we think and how do we feel? Absolutely. It doesn't matter how I feel. Right. And um, there are people, I cited a verse, I think in a sermon, seems dokeo, the Greek. Many people seem to be spiritual. Right. They look spiritual, but it doesn't mean they are. And some of them, people that have been deemed great, powerful men of God deny the Trinity. I, I was just restudying that in some of my material. Okay. And there are still people on this prominent world stage now who reject the Trinity. Wow. They're, they're heretical. Yeah. And so even Rome could have gotten that one right, sort of. They kind of have a Trinity plus Mary. Yeah. Although they're not claiming that Mary's an actual goddess, but we need to be able to search the scriptures. All right. Do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up this episode? Well, let me just, we'll have to come back and spend a couple of times on this, but let me just read part of what we said here and then we'll wrap up until next time. Okay. I, I wrote this in the article. One of the most important and often neglected privileges and duties of the priesthood of all believers is to judge doctrines. This function was taken away by the ecclesiastical powers who claim this function only for themselves. In so doing, they kept millions of Christians in bondage 
for centuries. Even Protestants are wont to take this away from the church and claim it only for their own decrees and councils. This is not right. Amen. So next time we're going to start with scripture alone and why we need to know what God said and not get drawn into some pietist group or romanticized group or whatever that really isn't concerned about what the scripture actually says. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others at the website, cicministry.org. Or you can also find hundreds of articles there that have been written over the years on many different topics. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.